0: And so the next four weeks, or three weeks, excuse me, is going to be all about what it looks like now to follow him. Because I don't know about you, but I've heard a lot of people say that they're Christians before, and then when I look at the things that they say or do, including my own life, it doesn't always match up with this guy named Jesus, which Christians are supposed to be following after. Would you agree with me on that? And so... The number one thing that turns people off to coming to church, regardless of if it's something like revolution or something on a Sunday morning or or anything having to do with church, do you know what the number one reason is people don't want to go? I'm hearing lazy, they don't want to go, but why don't they want to go? Listen to all these answers because there there are going to be topics that we talk about throughout the year, but I'm hoping somebody said hypocrites. Hypocrites are the number one reason people don't want to go to church. So what does that mean? That means people are the number one reason people don't want to go to church. But specifically people who aren't actually living what they say they're living for. Who they say they're living for. And so for us, I mean, we're called revolution. Revolution implies like going against the thing that's set up. The thing that's set up in the world is brokenness, is sin. We just learned that Jesus brings redemption from sin. He conquers sin. He took care of the consequence of sin. He made payment for sin. So because we follow Jesus, we look different than the rest of the world. We're supposed to at least. Because we're following after this guy, this God who's completely different. And so when we go and we interact with friends and we hang out at school and we do our sports, we do our, our school stuff and we, we hang out with our neighbors, when we talk to our mom and dad, like, it's not the same way it was before we knew Jesus. It's different now. Because we're different now. And we talked about this fact that we're now alive. We once were dead, but now we're alive. We once were without hope, but now we have hope. We once were without love, but now we have love. We we once didn't see stuff that we used to see, but now we do because we're brought into the light and God helps us see truth. When we find Jesus. And so it should look different. Our lives should look different. What we say, do. The way we treat people. It all should look different. And you guys who are saying yes I follow Jesus. Yes I know this God. Yes I have experienced his love. Man we got to talk about what that looks like for us then. Like how are we going to go. And live that out. Because he's called us to this life. But. If we never actually follow him, we're missing out on experiencing it. So we're going to start in one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Why is it my favorite? one of my favorite? Was because it's so simple. Like Jesus lays it out really simply for us. There's a guy who's asking him what the most important commandment is in all of the Bible. He's grilling him. He's trying to like trip him up, make him look stupid in front of all the other churchy people, Right? And so he's like, hey, rabbi, speaking to Jesus, what is the most important thing, most important command in all the commands? Y'all remember the Ten Commandments, right? Moses, the tablets, all that stuff. So there's a lot of commandments in the Old Testament, not just the Ten Commandments. There's a lot. Those are ten pretty big ones. But Jesus breaks it down like this. And he says in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, with all of your strength. He's actually quoting some other part of the Bible from Deuteronomy. And it's summing up all of the commandments from the Old Testament by saying, Love God with everything you've got, basically, right? Heart, mind, soul, strength. Everything you've got, love God. And when you really stop and think about it, it's like, that kind of makes sense, right? Like, if you're not loving God with everything you've got, that means you're probably not giving him everything you've got. Which means you're probably not mimicking him in everything you do. Which means you probably don't look much like Jesus in a lot of areas of your life. So that, that makes sense. Would you agree with that? So to love God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength would encompass everything about who you are. So if you're loving God with everything, then everything about you is going to start to look different. So then the question could be, if you're asking questions from that, would be, what would be the reason that we're supposed to love God? Like God is God. Like he doesn't need anything from us. If he needed stuff from us, then he wouldn't really be God. God should be like self-sustaining. He doesn't really need anything from us. And so why does he need me to love him? Well, he doesn't need you to love him. He is self-sustaining. He's still God, whether you love him or not, whether I love him or not. He's still amazing and well beyond anything we can fathom. He's still God. But the reason we love him isn't because he's just saying love me. It's actually because he loves us first. He loved you first. He loved me first. I don't know if you guys have ever had uh, an experience with like a crush. And I'm not encouraging to have one. But if you have had one. And it's not even just about like a romantic kind of crush. It It could also be just like you wanted to be friends with somebody. But you weren't sure like if they wanted to be friends with you kind of a situation. You're like man i i I mean, it'd be cool to hang out like go do something together, but I don't know if they'd even wanna do that um and then they say something to you before you even got, have a chance to ask them something like hey, you wanna like go you wanna go watch a movie or something like hey you wanna you wanna go to the batting cage or you wanna go play a video game or you wanna like do something, and they say something to you. Before you do, how much of the weight gets taken off of you in that moment, right? How much of the stress? Because you're not wondering anymore, like, dude, do they even want to hang out with me? Like, would they even want to be friends? Like, would they even like me? Like, I don't even know. But then they say something to you, like they pursue you first. And then it's like, oh, sweet. The weight's off. So now, you know, we can, we can hang out. It's fine. Well, God's taking the weight off. Like he pursued you first. He said, I love you first. He's come after you first. So you loving him isn't like this thing that he needs. It's actually something we do in response to what he's already done. Does that make sense? So even before you ever thought about loving God, God loved you. Even before you knew who God was, God loved you. Even in the midst of you doing something terrible and awful to someone else. God loved you. So I love what 1 John 4 says because it's laid out super simple. John 4, 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. Super simple. So if you're like, why are we supposed to love God with everything? There it is. Because he first loved us. He took the first step. He did the pursuing. He put himself out there. And again, he's God. Does he have to do any of this? No, he doesn't have to do any of this, but he did. And so for us as Christians saying, man, we, we've been saved from our sin. Jesus fixed our problem with sin and restored our relationship between us and God. So now that we are connected back with God through Jesus, now let's love him with everything we've got. Because Jesus says it's the best thing we can possibly do with our life. It's the biggest command that you could live for life and the whole reason we do it is because he first loved us which makes sense to us because we know jesus does that make sense all right if you said no come talk to me after um so here's here's the next question that might pop up is okay well that's cool um we love him because he first loved us uh So, loving God is the biggest thing and best thing we could possibly do with our life. But not just saying I love him, but like like loving him with everything. Heart, mind, soul, strength. All of us loving God. So, what does this love look like, could be the question. Because God isn't like physically right here. Like, he's not like right next to me for me to just be like, love you bro. Like, I can't give him a bro hug. I can't like pass him a gift card. I can't like take him out and and buy him dinner like i can't do anything to like show him i love him like i would a person like a physical person right here in those kind of ways but at the same time it's like can't can i show him i love him are there ways that i can do that well let's look at what love actually is okay because sometimes we get messed up in our heads on what love is cuz we say love about all kinds of stuff like I love Taco Bell. Sweet. Any amens on that one? No amens. Okay. Um, like, like for me, it would be I love the Atlanta Falcons who are going to f- play in their first NFL game this Thursday night. They're going to hopefully beat the uh, Eagles. It's going to be it's going to be a good game. Excited. Um, I would also say I love chili chips and salsa because it's amazing. I had it today for lunch, literally today. Um, you might say, man, it's great because I don't have to go to school. Like, I love Labor Day. Labor Day is great. And then some of you, it might be a minority, but some of you might be like, man, I love Tuesday after Labor Day because I get to go back to school. And, and that might not be a lot of you, but it might be some of you. Um, Some of you might say, man, I love being a Till Tiger because that might be we're winning grade wars right now. And that might be what some say. But then you also could say, mom, I love you. Dad, I love you. Or you might say, man, I really love my aunt or my uncle or my brother or my sister. Or I really love when I... Get a chance to help someone like you say love to Taco Bell, your mom or your dad situations, right? Something that you do, like maybe a sport, like you say love in all those situations, right? <laughs> Thank you for saying yes. You don't have to say yes. I'm saying you do that. OK, we all do that. We all say yes to loving things that aren't necessarily all on the same level. Would you agree with me on that? So Taco Bell and your mom, hopefully not on the same level. OK, don't don't say Taco Bell's higher. OK, um, so what does that mean then? That means we have a lot of definitions of love. We've got a lot of ways of interpreting what love means. And so when we're talking about love right now, we're talking about loving God. It doesn't mean you have to say, you know, you, you quit saying I love Taco Bell. That is a, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is when we're talking about loving God with everything you've got, heart, mind, soul, strength, this is more the kind of love that I'm talking about. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And if you've ever been to a wedding, you might have heard some of these verses before. Um, but we're not talking about them in the context of a husband and wife in a marriage situation. We're talking about them just because in first of. of love and understanding what love is because in 1st John God actually says he is love. And so the truest meaning of the word love is actually found in who God is. And we get some of that definition in 1st Corinthians chapter 13, it's also known as the love chapter in the Bible. So read along with me, you don't have to read out loud, just read to yourself. It says, "If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a" A clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. The writer keeps going, and in verse 4. He says this, love is patient. So now, not only is the importance of love kind of, we get told right there in those first few verses, this is how important love is. If I don't have love, but I have all these other good things, then really I don't have anything. I could be doing great things for God, but if I'm not doing anything with love, if I have no love in my heart in these moments, if I'm not loving God in these moments, I don't really have anything. So then he goes on and starts to describe what love is. It says, love is patient. Anybody in the house patient? (laughs) Some honest people, thank you. You're you're maybe not so patient. Okay. Um, Love is kind. We got a lot of kindness going on in 6th, 7th, and 8th grade right now. I don't usually see a ton of it. Um, I know I didn't experience a lot of it when I was in 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. Here's some more though. It says it does not envy and it doesn't boast. Love doesn't envy or boast. Now, I don't know if you've experienced this personally, but I've definitely had friends, and I've even experienced it when I've been in relationships, um, specifically in high school. Like, people start to get into like some serious relationships in high school, and there's some some guys and girls that get in those relationships, and they get super jealous about stuff, and they get super possessive about stuff, and they get super like arrogant about their relationship. And so you start hearing girlfriends, boyfriends saying things like really rude to other people because they feel like somebody looked at their boyfriend or girlfriend and they looked at them in a weird way. And so they're going to let them know that's not okay. Or they just won't stop talking about their girlfriend and boyfriend. And it's like always just gushing about their girlfriend and boyfriend. And there's no way all of it's true. Because it makes that person sound perfect. And that's just not true because no one is. And so this definition is already kind of like debunking a lot of high school relationships in that it doesn't envy and it doesn't boast. And it's not proud. Here's some more. It does not dishonor others. That's a tough one too. Love does not dishonor others others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. And it keeps no records of wrongs. Like how many relationships do we have in our life where we get angry and we remember every single thing that person's ever done to us that was wrong, that ticked us off, that hurt our feelings. Like we all keep checklists, right? We all keep like lists in our brain of you did this, you did this, you did this. I'm really at you for this. I'm really, I'm never going to let go of this. I'm always going to hold this against you. I'm going to be looking for you to do this thing again. And so we have this problem sometimes in our relationships where we, get angry really quickly because we don't let go of these lists because we don't forgive because we are keeping a record. But yet God's saying, listen, love doesn't get angry, not quickly at least, and, and it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. But then love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. So when something's right, when something's true, when something matches up with who God is and who he made you to be, love rejoices in that. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now when you compare that definition of what love is and what it does and what it doesn't do, a lot of those characteristics match up with who we know God is. And when you compare the fact that God says he is love in 1 John to all these definitions of love, it starts to make more sense. And so this very first night of talking about different and what it looks like to follow Jesus now, we've got to start with love. For us as Christians, we've got to understand what it looks like to not only have received God's love through Jesus, but also to love back. To love him back with everything we have. Because if he's truly saved us and he's really like resurrected us and he's forgiven us of all the junk we've ever done, man, gratitude and thankfulness should just be coming out of us. Like love for this God who saved us from all that stuff should just be like ready to explode. And we're just living our life out completely for this God who's done this for us, who loved us first, right? And so for you, 6th graders, 7th graders, 8th graders, if you have said, you know what, I'm a Christian, like I'm following Jesus, whether you've said it out loud to people or you've just said it to yourself, God is calling you out to be different. He's calling you out to experience the love that we just read about. And not only to experience it for yourself, but to also be it for the world. Loving God is being able to reflect him back in the world. So when you come across somebody who just did something wrong to you at school, you've got the options in front of you, right? Let's just say they they said something to the teacher that you did that you didn't do. They lied about you. To your teacher. Now you have options. Okay. Other than telling the teacher the truth. And seeing how all that plays out. As far as how you respond to this person. You've got options. You could either like confront them. In front of a bunch of people. And physically like assault them. Get crazy on them. Start dropping elbows. Grabbing some hair. Like you could do that if you chose to. There would be consequences for that, and you will not like those consequences. It's bad, but that is an option. You could literally lash out at this straight up in anger and hatred and just just straight up just mad. So that's an option. Another option would be to go in a similar route, but a much less aggress- aggressive manner, right? You don't get physical with it. You just take, you take it to the streets, right? you start spreading rumors about that person that also aren't true because that's what they did to you in an eye for an eye, right? So if they did something to you, you're going to do the same thing back to them, but even worse. And so you're going to tell a bunch of lies about them to teachers, students. You're going to spread rumors about them. You're going to get on the Internet, start spreading some stuff around. And now that person's name is just going to be like covered in all these lies you're about to tell about them. So that's another route you could take. But there's a couple other paths you could take too, right? You could actually talk to them and you could confront them without being angry. You could confront them without wanting to pay them back for what they did. And you could just talk to them. You could ask them why they did what they did. You could tell them how that made you feel. You could could even tell them you forgive them. For what they did. Now I know what some of your gut reaction is. Like if somebody did did something wrong to you, they haven't apologized to you, you are not gonna apologize to them. So here would be my question to you why? Because what if God acted like that? What if God's like, I'm not gonna forgive them until they earn my forgiveness? What if God did that? None of us would be forgiven. Like we'll never be forgiven. And so for us as Christians to walk around and not forgive people, for us as Christians to go around and like repay evil for evil, to do bad for bad, like if that's how we're acting as Christians, then we are not mimicking God at all. We're not living differently at all. We're not doing any of the things that God says love is at all. And so hopefully, reading this description of love about patience, about not envying and not keeping a list of wrongs and not getting easily angered, not delighting in evil but rejoicing in truth, always protecting, trusting, hoping, and persevering. These are the descriptions for Christians. This is what we're supposed to be living out and how we love God and how we love people. And so for us, how we love God and others looks different because how differently Jesus loves us. Like we live differently, we love differently because Jesus loves us differently. Jesus doesn't love us like the world does. He's not like, you know what? You did this many sins, so I need you to do this many good things. And once you equal your good things with your bad things, then maybe we can talk about working something out. Then maybe I'll love you. God doesn't work like that. Like Jesus doesn't love us that way. He's like, you know what? You did way more bad things than I can count on one hand, two hands, or on my toes. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to say, you know what? I forgive all of it. I love you in spite of all of it. And I forgive all of it and I love you, and I'm never going to stop loving you. And so that is different than anything we experience. That's different than what most people, how they love us. For us to, how we love most people, and so for us to experience Jesus' love should enable us to start to understand and wrap our minds and our hearts around what it looks like to love God and to love other people. And so I love this quote by Jesus, and it's this. It says, they will know you by your love. It's actually from John 13, his disciples. He's talking to, they'll know you by your love. Who is you? His disciples. He's talking to his disciples. He says, they'll know you by your love. They'll know you follow me by the way you love. By the way you love other people, but also by the way you love me. By the way you love the God who sent me. And so for us, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, whatever school you're in, whatever you got going on in your life, it's like, man, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm known by my love or, or if I am. It's not the kind of love we just talked about. It's not the kind of love that Jesus loves with. But if we go out into our schools You go out into your homeroom in the morning. You go out into your sports team. You go out into your neighborhood. You go into your family. And you're remembering the kind of love God loves you with. And then you remember that God gave you his spirit inside of you. You have this ability to love the way he loves. In this Love that you've received begins to just kind of pour out of you. And it's love for God and it's love for people. And it's just now experienced ability that you didn't have before because of the love that you've now experienced. And now you start to live this lifestyle that what we would say in the church is this lifestyle of worship. Thanking God for. Worship is where you're just thanking God for every breath you take, you're living every breath you take out for Him. You're using your life for him. You're loving him with everything you've got, your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And in the process of loving God and and living your life for him, other people notice that and they see that and they experience his love through you because you're patient, because you're kind. You're not bragging about yourself. You're not jealous all the time. You're not always super insecure about stuff because you're not focused on you. You're focused on God. And so as we follow Jesus together, my hope for me and for you and for all of us in this room is what God hopes for all of us, is that we would love him with everything we've got. That you wouldn't just come in and say, yeah, I'm a Christian, and you're a Christian here on Tuesday nights, and that's awesome, and you're a Christian at FCA, and you're a Christian when you need to be a Christian. But then when other people see you, these other moments, these moments where maybe you get mad, or you get get tested, or you get in this uncomfortable situation, like loving God just kind of goes out the window, and you aren't living differently at all, you're living just like everyone else, because you completely forgot about this amazing love that God has given you. But if we stay focused on it and we're thinking about it and we're living in it every day, then we start to live this lifestyle of love. It's enough if it's affected by it. And do, and the way you act, your attitude, like all that stuff is affected by it. And it looks different. And people will question like, hey, what's up with you? Like, are you new medication? Like what's going on? You'd be like, no, like, I'm I'm just like amazed by how much God loves me. If you're like looking for a way to get in a conversation, that's an easy one. Because you start to say, I'm just kind of amazed by how much God loves me. People want to know more about that. Why? Because people don't experience that kind of love all the time. It's different. And if you love them the way God loves them, Man, they're going to have all kinds of questions. And they're going to experience all kinds of answers. With how you live in front of them. How you treat them. Because really you're living your life as this act of worship. Your life is like a song to God. It's like lyrics of just thankfulness. About his love. And his attributes of love just are coming out of you everywhere you turn. So what I wanted to do is just give you some space and time to respond to God, his love, with your love. For you to be able to worship him right now with songs, which is not anything magical really. Music is all over the place. It's been in human history for thousands of years. But God takes this thing called music that he created and he gives us a chance to kind of come together and say the same thing to him. We're all saying these same words to God about who he is and who he made us to be, reflecting on his love, thanking him for it. And when we sing, we're not just singing lyrics. We're not just raising our hands because that's what you do at church. We're not just closing our eyes because that seems spiritual. Like the only reason we do any of those things is so we can focus on God's love and who he is. And we can tell him how much we love him and we're just thankful that we get a chance to know this God and this love, not just right now when we're at church, but every single day. And so for you, for these next two songs, I want to ask you to do something. I want you to not come to the front. I want you to stay at your seat. And I want you to either sit or stand. It's up to you. But I want you to actually focus on what we're saying together. If that means you're literally looking at the words, go for it. If that means you're closing your eyes and really listening, then go for it. If you know the songs and you want to say them, but not just say them so people around you hear it, you want to say it to God, then belt it out. But take some time to worship him, to love him. And then we're going to move on with some other things for tonight. So let's pray together and then we're going to worship together. God, thank you so much. For the fact that you love us. It sounds so simple and so elementary and so Sunday schoolish, God, but it's just, it's the core of everything. You love us. And because you love us, God, we love you and we want to love you with everything we've got. And so I pray for each one of these students and leaders that we would just take time right now in this moment for the next few minutes to lift up our hearts together, worshiping you, thinking about your love, telling you how much we love you back and really meaning what we're saying, not just with our mouth, but with our heart. And God, don't let it just stay in this room with these songs, God, but let it be the way we live our life when we get into school tomorrow morning. Let it be the way we live our life when we walk into our house and we talk with our mom or dad, our sister, our brother, whoever it is. Let our friends see the love that we have for you, God. Let the people that don't even know us in fourth period know how much we love you because of the way we're living and how different that looks. So God, we love you and we thank you for your love for us. Just let us worship you right now in spirit and in truth. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.